Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hey friends, and welcome to a brand new year. Happy 2021. I hope, in all honesty, that as you look forward to this next year, that yes, you look back at 2020 and you see hardships, 100% all of us do, but I really hope that you also look back and see some blessings that you had in your life. Even if it was the worst year of your entire life, I pray that you're able to find at least one goodness from God in your life. And today, we look forward. We look forward to a brand new year, and I seriously 100% pray many, many, many blessings on your family. I pray that you stay healthy. I pray that you stay close to your loved ones. And man, just let 2021 be a great year. I'm super excited about everything we have going on this year, actually. In fact, if you're a part of our newsletter list, which you should be, because we always let our newsletter people know about awesome things, we have something that we just released today, and we would love to know if you want to join us. My husband, Aaron, and I are going to be talking about marriage a lot this year. And we would love if you would like to join us for a marriage challenge that we have going forth. It's super easy to join. Just text the word marriage to 55444. When you do that, you're going to be subscribed to a newsletter. We're going to send you information and we're going to have some fun for the next 12 months as we all individually and collectively decide that we're going to be proactive in our marriages. Friends, today is a great show to start off the new year. My friend Emmanuel Acho is on the show today. And I've known about Emmanuel for a lot of years. He played football at University of Texas, and I live here in Austin, Texas, and I'm a Longhorn fan. So I knew who Emmanuel was. He went to my church, the Austin Stone, when he lived here in Austin, and our paths crossed this summer when he invited our family to be a part of his YouTube series called Uncomfortable Conversations with the Black Man, which that series now turned into a, a New York Times bestselling book, which I've read it and highly recommend. We sat down and chatted about that journey that he's been on, what life looks like for him now that he is 100% catapulted into the spotlight in 2020 and how he's handling that, how his soul is handling that. At the end, he gives us some, I want to call it breaking news because I hadn't heard about it that I'm so excited about as well. And then, of course, I couldn't have had him here without asking for his Super Bowl picks. It's a great show. Sit back. You're going to enjoy it. If you love it, tell your friends about it. We'd love to have some new Happy Hour listeners here in 2021. All right, here's my conversation with my friend, Emmanuel. Emmanuel Acho, the man, welcome to the happy hour. Yo, it's a pleasure to join you on the happy hour. You know, I've heard great things. I've seen great things. I've listened to great things. But now I get to be a part of such great things. (laughs) You're so kind. You're so kind. Well, we got to be a part of your great thing this summer. And I'm telling you, it will go down. And we're picking highlights of 2020. Uncomfortable conversations with a black man is top three at least. Well, I'd like to think that there probably wasn't a ton of competition. (laughs) You know, if you would have told me this was a highlight of maybe any other year, I would have been like, I'm honored. But like to be a highlight of like a low light year, 
you know, it's, it's a small accomplishment, I guess it, I'll say. It's huge. But you know what? I want to be honest. We're recording this full disclosure in December, but today, Happy New Year's, everybody. Happy 2021. We're starting a new year. But Emmanuel, I want to ask you this because I have been asking myself this because I have found myself so often going, 2020 suck. I want to get out of it. Worst year ever. And again, there's a lot of truth to that. A lot of people lost jobs. There was a lot of craziness in our world, politically, racial unrest, all kinds of things. I also look back at my 2020 and can find a lot of beautiful things that happened. And so what is beautiful in your life looking back at 2020? You know, 2020, I think of that year and and the one word that comes to mind is like catapult. Because when you think about a catapult, that instrument, you have to go back before you leap forward, before you're projected forward. And I think for me, the first half of 2020, the first three months really started with tragedy. My childhood pastor, his wife died. That is Lois Evans, uh, the mother of Priscilla Shire, for those that don't know, Anthony Evans, Dr. Tony Evans, et cetera. Um, And then I lost uh, a very close family friend. And so it was kind of like emotionally, occupationally, I was in between jobs. I took leaps and bounds backwards. And then God really catapulted me forward with uncomfortable conversations with the black man, both the video series and then the best-selling book. So when I think about my 2020, it wasn't a down year for me personally. Obviously in our world, it was chaos, but I tried to find the beauty within the chaos. I think that's so good. That helps me is to do that in all kinds of life, whether that be my marriage, my raising kids, whatever. We jumped right in and I want you to introduce yourself to our listener because we've known each other casually for a while, but we got to hang out this summer in the middle of COVID and have some uncomfortable conversations. But just like give a high level view. Who's Emmanuel Acho? Emmanuel Acho is a former NFL player drafted by the Cleveland Browns in 2012, graduate from the University of Texas with a master's degree in sports psychology now host a show as a sports analyst on uh, Fox Sports called Speak for Yourself. But most people would know me because of uncomfortable conversations with the black man, the, I guess, viral hit series uh, that started in 2020, which became an instant New York Times bestselling book on November 18th of 2020. I sat down with Matthew McConaughey, partnered with Oprah Winfrey on the book. And obviously I sat down with the Ivy family. I told you guys, top three, like it was like Emmanuel and Matthew, Emmanuel and Joanna, (laughs) Emmanuel and Oprah. What up, Emmanuel and Jamie Ivey? Let me speak to that, though, because I know we're going to get into that later, but whatever. It's funny. My first episode was with Matthew McConaughey. My one of my first episodes was by myself. Second episode was with Matthew McConaughey. Third episode with Chip and Joanna Gaines, reality stars. Fourth episode by myself again. Then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I sit down with you, Jamie Ivey, and your beautiful family. And I was scared. I'll be honest, Jamie, I'm going to tell on myself on this podcast because I was like, man, I love the Ivey family. I know Aaron Ivey from Austin Stone, love his music. I follow Jamie, love her work. But I mean, they don't necessarily have like Academy Awards to their name. Mm -hmm. And I was in the embryonic stages of starting a show to give context to everyone listening. My first episode of Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man had 28 million views in like 
five days. Unbelievable. I wasn't a famous person. Like I played in the NFL, but like, it's not as though like I am like Denzel Washington. Right, right, right. 28 million views is absurd. Like Uh the nation's population is 400 million people, just to put that in context. Then my McConaughey episode, it gets like 8 million views. And my Chip and Joanna Gaines episode, I think gets like 5, 6 million views. So now I'm nervous because (laughs) I'm like, uh uh-oh. Like, Jamie, I've never told you this before, I don't think. I was talking to Oprah after I sat down with McConaughey and Chip and Joanna. And Oprah said, Emmanuel. Do not face your show because true transparency after McConaughey's episode, I was like, okay, do I get Jennifer Aniston on because her and I have been talking? Do I get Reese Witherspoon on because her and I have been talking? And I call Oprah and Oprah says, Emmanuel, do not base your show around famous people because she said this, eventually you'll run out of famous people. Oprah Winfrey. Dang, Oprah. And that stuck with me. So she said, base your show around good content. And Jamie, I'm sure we'll get into it, so I won't spoil the rest of it. But nonetheless, our episode ended up being a hit. Like 5 million people saw it on Facebook alone, another million on Instagram, a million point like eight on YouTube. It was, it just showed that like people love real, authentic, transparent Mm. dialogue. And that is why I'm here. Yeah. Well, I loved that very first video of you by yourself and was, you know, so impressed by it. I want to talk about these conversations. You said you started this as just you looking into a camera. I've got something to say and you went with it and then it blew up and then it has led to your book, which I raved about. I read it already. It's a phenomenal book. I can say this now because we're past Christmas. I bought it for all of our adult family members. (laughs) And so they're getting your book in there. But when you started Uncomfortable Conversations, and I love the name, I think I heard you say somewhere that you weren't originally going to name it that. Did I read that? the book that is true i was originally gonna name it questions white people have <laughs> oh god terrible title but it was too literal i was yeah, like I yeah. know white people have questions let's call it questions white people have my dear white friend called me and she was like yeah you know what i think it's more of an uncomfortable conversation i was like yeah that's too boring i was like huh well i'm a black man oh we'll call it uncomfortable <laughs> conversations with a black man that has a ring to it done done well i want to ask you like in all reality, it's done. It's been a huge success. And I'm guessing that your motivation is to help white people understand questions that we might have about black people that would make us uncomfortable. So this is your premise here. What have been some of your great moments of thinking, this is why I do what I do in the past year, just through your journey of the video and the book itself? I'll say this. This is going to sound weird to the listeners. When you write a book, specifically if you write a book in six weeks, like I did. I I just cannot even believe that, first of all. (laughs) Again, to put it in context, people spend 16 to 18 months working on a book. I can Um, verify that to be true. Yes. 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 When you do it in six weeks, Jamie, there are periods of time where I forgot I was writing a book. Right. Like I was just going through the process like, hey, Emmanuel, first manuscript needs to be done. Hey, Emmanuel, let's bulk up this anecdote here. I forgot, Jamie, that I was writing a book until like I saw people buying it and being like, oh, my gosh, I was so moved by this chapter. And I was like, wait a second. I was like actually writing this for people to read. And so I think some of the most touching things are the fact that I think like 75,000 people have purchased it as of mid-December. The fact that like people are buying it for friends for Christmas, the fact that like it's in stores next to Obama's book. I'll end your question like this. After the first episode of Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man, I got an email from a 70-year-old white woman named Lynn. 
And she said, Dear Emmanuel, I grew up in rural Alabama in the 1950s, and I didn't go to school with any Negroes, she said. She said, but after watching your episode, I realized I still need to change. Please don't give up on me yet. I love you, my son and my brother. And Jamie, when I read that email, literally chills over my body, I almost began to cry because I was like, somewhere there's this 70-year-old white woman who grew up calling people Negroes and didn't go to school with black people, watched this episode of this 29-year-old black man, me, sitting in a chair, talking to a camera, and realized I need a change. And then she returned the terms of endearment by calling me her brother and her son. Mm. And I was just like, that's truly what we are. Like, we're all each other's brothers and sisters and sons and daughters and mothers and fathers. And like, that's what we are. So that one, Jamie, it really, it moved me. What has been the hardest part of being completely vulnerable? Because I mean, here's what's funny is before earlier when you were like, when Oprah told you that and you all of a sudden, because Emmanuel, everyone thinks Emmanuel was like famous before this happened. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And so even I'm like, oh, Emmanuel Acho, of course. Yeah. He NFL player, all the things. Has there been any difficultness in this catapult to fame that you've had? Because you have. I mean, let me me just say this. You were playing the NFL. That brings a level of famousness to it, no matter, like you talked about Instagram this week, no matter how many times you got cut, you forever on your resume, NFL player. Has it been hard having this all of a sudden fame, success? Everyone knows who Emmanuel Acho is now. Because you just told me you talked to Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon. So (laughs) come on. Let me say this. There's a difference between fortune and fame. See, the NFL, it provides a lot of people with a fortune, but it doesn't necessarily provide you with a lot of fame. Mm. I am significantly more, quote unquote, famous now. Put this in context of social media, because that's the way so many of us live. May 31st, if May has a 31st, I don't know if it has a 30th, I didn't, April, June, and November. We don't like, even know what anything has this year. Yeah, like, yeah, whatever. If, if May has a 31st, I had 41,000 followers on Instagram. By June 15th, I had 700,000. And it wasn't like I purchased them. Right. (laughs) Like, let's, let's put that in context. So I am significantly more famous now, but true story. It's so funny. We have this call today. I called my homie, Andy Minio, Christian hip hop artist from my dressing room today, because I was listening to the song on repeat called Death of Me by Andy Minio for the last like 24 hours. And essentially it talks about I'm trying to make an impact, but at the same time, keep myself intact. Mm. There's a verse, and I tweeted it yesterday, and it says, Jesus retreated to speak with his father. I know that I need it. My career's been growing, but tell me where I'm going if my time with God is depleted. God, I'm sorry. I mean it. All I want to do is walk with you, but my priority's wrong. I talk about you more than I talk with you. And I felt that these last 24 hours and I had to call Andy, Christian hip hop artist who wrote that because I was like, bro, help. Mm -hmm. I was like, millions of people love me. Mm. Millions of people know me now, but like, it's lonely. Mm. And then I tweeted today and I said, like, the toughest dichotomy is between success is what you have to give up in order to gain success. And I said, it will come with the cost. Make sure you can afford it. Mm. 
You're like, you're going to have to give something up to be successful. And it's come at a cost for me. And I've recently realized I've gone to the bank and it said insufficient funds. See, and I'm not talking about monetary because monetarily I'm as blessed as ever. Mm-hmm. But I'm talking about like the cost of success. I've had to pay the price. And that price has been loneliness. That price has been losing friendships. That price has been just solitary. And it's tough. And I'm wrestling with that right now. I've probably gone through my most lonely stage because like, yeah, millions of people love me and message me and, oh my God, Emmanuel, like near episode or this and that. But I'm like, you have it all, but you don't have anything. So it's definitely come with the cost. And this isn't like a woe is me moment. But when I called Andy, he said, it's funny because so Andy, he partners with Lecrae. For those that may not know Andy Minio, he's at the top of the Christian hip hop game. And he's like, it's funny because people think it's just a figure of speech when it's like money isn't everything mm-hmm. until you get money. And you're like, no, 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 it's actually not everything. Yep. Mm. So I don't know. I mean, it's been difficult trying to navigate being famous mm-hmm. and being a celebrity and whatever it is that people want to yeah. say that I am. I don't know. I don't really care for it. I'm glad God's using me to impact people. It is cool that what I'm doing is transcending race, religions, Mm -hmm. creed. But like, I don't know. It's not everything. Yeah. It's worth it, though. Yeah, it's worth it. It's it's a close worth it. Right. Because so I moved to L.A. and I lived in Austin the last 10 years. So I have like two friends in L.A. legitimately, uh, Mm -hmm. like two of them. And mind you, L.A. is quarantine to the point of restaurants are not open for dine in or eating outside. You have to take it to go. So I'm in a city by myself with two friends and I can't even go eat out. And like, I can't go hang out with young women that I don't already know. We're like, oh, all of a sudden, hey, what are we? You're in a relationship and I don't have time to meet dudes because I'm just too busy. And now I'm famous. So like, I don't know if people want to hang out with me for me or for the money and the fame. So like, it's weird, man. Is it worth it? Yeah, because it's cool to be a vessel that's used to help enlighten people. And Mm -hmm. it's cool to be a vessel that's used for the moment, but like it comes with a cost. Kurt Franklin recently said something, gospel recording artist. He was doing an Instagram live with Lecrae. And he said, this was maybe early December. And he said, the wrestle is going on stage where thousands of people know you are in a chanting your name, but then having to go back to a hotel room by yourself. He's like the solitary, the loneliness, the depths of despair and inner turmoil and the wrestling with sin that comes with that. And I was like, yo, Kirk, I feel mm. you. And then he, he just talked about like, but only in life are you really used when you're wrestling between something. He talked about Paul biblically and how Paul, and I read this today in Philippians one, how Paul is like, I'm torn because I want to be with you, God, in heaven, but I know I can also be of use down here on earth Uh, I don't know which one I want, but as for me to live as Christ, to die is gain. I prefer the version says to live as Christ and dying would be profit for me. I'm wrestling with like, ah, the fame is great and influencing people is amazing, but I'm torn because I kind of like my life in Austin where I was moderately famous, but I had all my friendships, but now I'm in LA and I'm maximally famous, but I'm by myself. I'm like, ah, I'm torn and I'm tormented by it. But I don't know. My life's not really my own. So it's just kind of like, use me and we'll go. 
Well, I mean, I think that this is a great insider insight into what it looks like for someone who actually is in so much of the public eye and you got thrown there this year. I mean, it's like you just picked you up and threw you into the limelight. And just as your friend who's been watching, A, I feel like I need to say I'm sorry you're lonely, but B, I also want to say like, you're doing a great job and the kingdom is greater because of Emmanuel's life in 2020. And so thank you for doing that. If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike. And it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interest. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. All right, let's talk about the episode that my family and I jumped on with you. 
Let me tell you this first real quick. You were being full disclosure. I'm going to say this as well. I was super, super, super nervous because, and I told you this beforehand, so it's nothing new, but for the listener, when you invited us on, I mean, I was like, yes, this sounds awesome. You know, I had these conversations for the past, you know, 15 years and for the past seven years on my podcast, this is not new to me, but I thought about my kids and I was like, my kids aren't having these conversations. I mean, they're just not. I'm not saying that my kids, three of them being black, aren't feeling these things because we know that they are. They're not on Instagram and Twitter and giving out ideas. And you assured me, you were like, Jamie, we're here to make everyone look good. And I was like, okay, I trust you. Like I trusted you with my kids. And I'm telling you, when Aaron and I look back and we think about that show, we always say the exact same thing and I could get a little emotional about it. I look at that show and I think I am so stinking proud of my kids. I was so proud of them, Emmanuel. So I guess this is my public thank you for inviting us on to be able to have those conversations. Oh, man, can we talk, like, take people behind the curtain? Well, first off with my episodes, it's interesting because I'm like, yo, you realize like millions of people will see this. (laughs) And the crazy thing is like, you don't know the millions. So I do an episode at the beginning of August with the commissioner of the NFL, Roger Goodell. And the commissioner of the NFL, most powerful person in sports, he calls me and he said, uh, no call ID number. It's not like him and I were friends. He said, hey, Emmanuel, I've seen your episode on Comfortable Conversations with a Black Man. I said, what episode did you see? He said, I saw the adoption episode. I was like, mm. he said, I want to sit down with you. He literally sat down with me because he saw your episode because his dad, a senator at the time, wanted to adopt a Black child. And so the commissioner of the NFL, one of the most powerful men in America, was going to grow up with adopted Black siblings, was moved by your episode. So I can only imagine like how nerve wracking it is, particularly because, Jamie, you know this, when you put yourself out there in the light for the world to see, people will criticize you. Everything, yes. And you might be able to handle it and Aaron might be able to handle it, but Kids can get it too. Everybody gonna get this criticism. That was my thing. I was like, if you come after my kids to the people, I was like, when people come after my kids, that's when I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I don't reply to mean comments on my Instagram or whatever. You talk about my kids, I'm coming after you. Yo, so like you really were putting yourself out there because like, I think 7.5 or so million people have seen that episode now across four platforms. And just like, it's risky. It's vulnerable. Thank, I'm grateful that you did it because it impacted so many people. People ask me to this day, Emmanuel, what's the most uncomfortable question you've ever asked or somebody's asked you? And I always reference your episode. And for those that don't know, I asked Jamie's now 13-year-old daughter story because uh-huh. um, I think she's had a birthday since. She has. <laughs> Yo, I was dying at asking this because the TV lover in me could not wait for this moment. I knew going into our episode, I was going to ask story, um, you all's beautiful black 13-year-old daughter, story, do you wish your parents raising you were black? <laughs> Can I, I say knew. something? <laughs> Please, go ahead. After you said it, I said... I don't know what she's going to say. And she very well could have said yes. And I want you to know, I would have been 100% okay with that. And I know you would have, but here's the kicker. The TV lover in me is like, if she says yes, she does wish her parents raising her were black. Like, uh uh-oh, music stops. (laughs) Tears are being shed. If she says no, she doesn't wish her parents raising her were black. She's happy, like, and loves her parents. I says, 
tears are shed. I was like, either way, it's going to be a phenomenal moment. Unfortunately, it's at Jamie and Aaron's expense, but nonetheless, <laughs> it's going it. to be a phenomenal moment. And so whenever anybody asks me what's the most uncomfortable question you've asked or been asked, I always reference that moment. Because as soon as I asked story, I looked at you. <laughs> Just like, I, I was like, it doesn't matter what story says. Yeah. Jamie's reaction will be priceless yeah. regardless. For those that don't know, and answer story was like I just want my parents to love me for me. Jamie started crying. Story started crying. Everyone started crying. It was it was a moment, and I remember in that moment thinking that would be fine. That would have been an honest thing. And you know what, Emmanuel, she may get to be twenty one and be like, that would have been nice to have had a black mom. <laughs> and I wouldn't blame her for that. I'd be like, I know, I get it, girl. So I thought it was an uncomfortable moment, but it was also beautiful, and it made me feel like I'm okay if she says yes. I really was because I understand the dynamics of. I mean, I don't understand personally but how difficult it must be to be raised by white parents who know nothing about what it means to be black. I want to tell you the number one question I got after our show aired was, and I can't remember, you'll have to correct me, if you mentioned it in a monologue, and and I'm fuzzy, I'm sorry about that. The number one question was, people would send me a message and say, what does Emmanuel mean by black culture? And, and, And honestly, I think I even texted you you after we were done. And the thing is, after you told me what you meant, I was like, oh, cool. I'm not saying we're awesome, but we're doing some of those things. So, and you go into this in your book as well, but will you talk about like, what does that mean, especially for listeners who are raising black children or raising children of another race? And honestly, Emmanuel, especially even for just people who see something that feels different than them, black culture. Like, so what do you mean by that? So I've even had to learn more myself since I've had that conversation. And I've realized that there is a difference between color and culture. Let me elaborate. I grew up in a Nigerian household, Nigerian culture. My parents came to America in the 1980s from Nigeria. So I grew up eating Nigerian food, um, rice and stew, uh, goat meat. I grew up listening to Nigerian gospel music. I grew up going to Nigerian small groups, Nigerian church gatherings. I grew up with my parents wearing Nigerian attire. I grew up Nigerian cultured, but I was black. Then I went to a predominantly white high school and middle school, grades 5 to 12, St. Mark School of Texas, all-boys school. You wear uniform, gray slacks, white button-downs. So now I'm white-cultured. I'm Nigerian-cultured and I'm white-cultured. What does that mean? Just viewing the world through the white lens, you know, talking and viewing things very white-washed. I was very white-cultured. But on Wednesdays and Sundays, I still went to church in the hood. And then I went to the University of Texas, played ball with black people and played in the NFL with black people. So now I was immersed in black culture. You watch different movies. You play spades differently. For those that don't know, card game spades. Ask a lot of your white friends and ask them what the high card or the trump card is. It might be the two of spades. It might be a heart or something arbitrary. Play with black people. Um, The high card will be the big joker. And then the next high card will be the little joker. You differentiate. I never knew that in my whole life. Okay, thank you. There you go. Look, play with black people. Mind you, it depends on your deck of cards. There's a sometimes the deck of cards will have a joker that's all black and says guaranteed and it'll have a joker with color. And if you play with black people, the black joker is the big joker. Right. Like there's different ways to play card games or Uno or you have different meals at Thanksgiving. Y'all know the debates. You want sweet potato (laughs) pie or you want pumpkin pie. Right. There's just different things with black culture. So when I talked about make sure you keep your child's black culture and honor your child's black culture, it's remembering you can raise a black child, but raise them white cultured. So they will grow up their whole life like thinking they're white. 
and questioning their blackness like I did as a kid when I went to St. Mark's and they would say, Emmanuel, you don't even talk like you're black. Emmanuel, you're not that black. Emmanuel, you're like an Oreo, black on the outside, white on the inside. And so I just wanted you all, but more so those listening to understand, make sure you keep the culture of your children. That was the biggest challenge for me when we left there, honestly. There's so many things that I've been challenged as a mom raising black children, and that was really challenging to me, and I was encouraged by it. I mean, you know, like if you were to look at our family photos, I think that it's just funny to think that there's these... Aaron and I could not be more different, okay? So we're bringing all these differences to the table. I like, you know, 90s country, and he's going to listen to music I've never even heard of, then go down to ACL and watch it. I don't even go to ACL, and I'm going to go to football games, and he doesn't care. And then we have our kids, and they're all so different. And I look at our son, Amos, who's 15 and just strikingly handsome and fabulous. And the things that he's gravitating to are so much of black culture. And I'm like, I mean, there's a part of me that's like, how is that happening? And then I hope it's just that we're giving him good examples and that he's able to feel comfortable in that. I think that's what the big kicker is for white parents raising black kids. It's one thing to show them and allow them to be exposed to black culture. It's a completely other thing to say, you get to be that. Mm -hmm. And I think let's also be cognizant of this. There are positive and negative attributes of all culture. So just because you're going to expose someone to a culture like you ain't got to expose them to everything. (laughs) That's right. That's on every side, though. You're right. On every like my parents take me back to Nigeria when we go there for medical mission work. They're very cognizant of like, hey, we're not necessarily going to expose you to the worst parts of Nigerian culture. So it's not to say let the children just run rushed and do whatever, but it's, <laughs> it's just to be like, hey, let me make sure that you are aware of who you are. The parallel I drew, and I had to be very close in how I navigated it, but thankfully our listeners are educated and they did a great job of listening. I talked about Tarzan, the movie we all grew up knowing and loving, and Tarzan was fully human. But remember, Tarzan did not realize he was human because he grew up amongst apes. It was not until Tarzan saw other humans that he was like, oh, wait a second, I am fully human. And so it's making sure that if you're raising white children as a black parent, if raising black children as a white parent, if you're raising whoever as whatever, you allow your child to fully understand like, wait a second, I am who I am. Not to say your skin color defines you, but just to say, let me understand the culture in which I'm embodied. I love it so much. And I mean, there's so much biblical principle to that as well as like, you know, God says like in the end, when we all get to heaven, there's going to be every tribe and tongue is going to be represented. And so we get to be who we are eternally, which is beautiful and wonderful. And it makes us here while we're here to want to accept that. Okay. So 2021, your 2020 has just been such a great year for you. And we're today's actually New Year's Day. So do you have any New Year's Day traditions? My New Year's Eve traditions, even though today New Year's Day, uh-huh. I always like to like spend some quiet time with God and thank him because you know the story, but those listening, remember the story of God healing the 10 lepers and Jesus healing the 10 lepers. One comes back and he's like, where are the nine? And I never want to be a part of the nine. Mm-hmm. Like we've all been brought into this new year and January 1st. And it's like, thank you, God. COVID was terrible. We're still in the midst of chaos, but you brought me here. But I don't want to be the one that God's like, okay, but where's Emmanuel Acho? Mm-hmm. I, Jamie, I know I brought you here. Thank you for thanking me. But what about Emmanuel? I never want to be the, hey, but where are the nine? Yeah. And so that's really my biggest tradition is just like, ah, uh-uh, God, thank you. 
you. <laughs> Thank you for what we've been through. Uh, New Year's <laughs> Day, always, I grew up eating black-eyed peas. It was like, I don't know why we did that or what that was well, meaning. That was good. I love black-eyed peas, but maybe that's just because I grew up that way. I don't know. Do you, you don't <laughs> know if you like black-eyed peas? No, I only know of the restaurant, Black Eyed Peas. I'm Wait, not really you've black never eyed peas. eaten Black Eyed Peas? Uh, maybe in like chili. <laughs> you know, I, that's maybe true. Maybe that's like true. That's true. Okay, well, we're looking forward to 2021. And, you know, a lot of times January is like, hey, new year, new me, new things. Here's my goals. How do you go forward into a new year? Because, you know, again, I feel like we're a broken record here, but 2020 was just so unprecedented in lots of ways for our country, for individuals personally, for you. What are you looking forward to about 2021? Man, number one, don't take anything for granted. Remember, like at the beginning of 2020, we did not realize what was going to happen. We Life did not is like realize, normal. Yes. Oh, normal as could be. Yep. We did not realize the lives that were going to be lost. We didn't realize the tragedy that was going to occur. We were all just fine and dandy. So 2021, I'm for sure going to savor each and every moment. Tell the people that I love that I love them. Give people their flowers while they're alive to smell them. Try to be more significant than successful. Mm-hmm. I, even now I'm trying to, I've been trying to be more significant than successful in 2020, but try to maintain fervor of that and then learn how to say no. Right. Like that's, that's a Jamie money doesn't necessarily change people. Money changes those around you. I've realized mm-hmm. and money exposes who you really are. And so if you're selfish, you'll be more selfish. If you're selfless, you'll be more selfless. I got to learn how to say no more and protect myself and my time more. So 2021, that's probably, that's the goal. Well, good for you. Good for you. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... A charcoal mask, great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice, I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. I always ask people on this show what they're reading, what they're watching, what they're loving. Do you have any time in your schedule to watch anything besides football right now? So what's crazy, I watch football only for work. Yeah, but I feel like we're in the season. Like you have to watch it. Yeah, it's, I don't really watch a lot of TV. I recently watched maybe HBO Max series called Defending Jacob. Phenomenal. I've heard about that. Phenomenal. I watched that. I think that was my treat. The worst part is I watched it all in one day. I'm that kind of guy. Like, yeah. I don't really have an addictive personality, but to TV, so I was like, I loved it. And I was like, oh, F it, I'm watching it all day. All the um, way in. All the way in. And so that's really it. What am I reading? Bits and pieces of everything. I, I haven't had time to pick up a book because I've been working on writing my own and then writing yeah. a children's book. But I'm, Wait, I'm, I'm sorry. Always... I didn't know that. What did you just say? Yeah, I'm working on Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Boy. 
I know. Have you announced this? I announced a two book deal with Oprah. Okay. But I didn't really like tell the world and with a megaphone, uncomfortable yeah. conversations with a black boy. But um, yes, it's a youth adaptation because I feel like our children are really the ones who will change the world. 100%. And so I said, yeah, let me reach adults, but more importantly, let me reach the youth. So working on that. So I'm just, I'm inundated with so much. I just try to find pockets of fun. What age is that book geared towards? So I'm in the process of it now. Okay. Breaking news, people, right here on the happy hour. (laughs) It's geared like 11 to 17. Okay. Like 12 to Young 17. adult. I like that. Like yeah. Young adult. Like mm, my boys. That's all my boys. Exactly. Like digestible nuggets and practical nuggets to make sure that they're like, I don't want this young generation to be incidentally killing people. Yeah. My white friends didn't know when they were telling me, oh, Emmanuel, you don't even talk like you're black or Emmanuel, you're not that black. They didn't know like they were killing me emotionally. Mm. Remember, Jamie, there are degrees of murder in our judicial system. I've said this before. First degree murder, premeditated, second degree murder, crime of passion. Then you move down to involuntary manslaughter. And so many people commit degrees of racism. It's not overt like owning slaves or saying the N word, but it's involuntarily killing people like, Mm. oh, my gosh, you're so beautiful for a black girl. Mm -hmm. You know, like you're so intelligent for a black man. I want to nip that in the bud with yeah. this younger generation. That's so good. That's so good. Thank you, Manuel, for that. I agree. And it makes me want to say, too, just like as you're listening, you know, you might be thinking, yes, go get them. And man, when I hear things like that, I always think, God, break my heart of anything that might be like that. And so as hard of work as I do to not be that way, I always want to have a really humble heart and say, like, show me my blind spots. Show me my errors. And so, Emmanuel, one last question. I asked your brother, you know, your brother was on my show, too, earlier in the fall. I asked him the same question. And for the life of me, I can't remember his answer. Answer, but I'm going to ask you this. And I don't know if this is a breach of contract with your job or anything. My son, Deacon, we watch football games together all the time. His predictions for the Super Bowl are Chiefs and Seahawks. Who do you have? Before the season, I said Saints and Chiefs. So I was hoping he was Chiefs and Saints. Um, I am still Chiefs and Saints. I'm doubling down on my prediction. <laughs> it looks great right now. Um, as we're recording this in the middle of December, it will probably look even better as y'all are listening to this early January. Chiefs and Saints, baby. Okay, there you go. I'd be happy with either one of those teams winning as well. Emmanuel Acho, thank you for starting the new year with us at the happy hour. I appreciate you. I'm a fan of you, not in a weird way, but in a like cheering you on, let's run this race together type of person. So thanks for joining us. Amen. Thank you, my friend. It's always a pleasure. Okay, I know you guys love that episode. I'm a big fan of Emmanuel Acho. Not a fan in a creepy, weird way, but in a just like, man, let me just cheer you on because I believe in the work you're doing. And in case you're wondering or don't remember, when his brother Sam Acho was on in the fall, he picked the Bills to win the Super Bowl. So we've got some differing opinions. If you're into NFL, you might be interested in that. Friends, thank you for listening today. If this is your first time listening to us at the happy hour, welcome. We put out shows twice a week with guests that we think you'll find interesting, intriguing, and most importantly that they have something to say. Welcome to 2021. Happy New Year. And remember, if you want to be a part of our marriage challenge, text the word marriage to 55444 and we're going to send you all the information via email. Happy New Year's, you guys. Today's show was edited and mixed by the team at Podshaper. The show notes for the show are written by Abby Castell. The music for the show is created by Matt Graham. The whole thing's organized by Lindsay Sweeney. I'm your host, Jamie Ivey. Thank you for joining us. We will see you back here next week.
Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.